morning. I said this morning. This morning. You can tell you Sunday morning. Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 2. Growing up, I was one of those people that asked questions all the time. You guys, you guys ever know somebody that asks questions all the time? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those people. And I ask questions about all kinds of things, like, Dad, why are we doing this? Dad, why are we going here? I, I used to drive my dad absolutely crazy. So why, why do you ask questions all the time? Now, as I've gotten older, I still ask questions. Like, for example, how come in one of the greatest Christmas movies ever, Home Alone, how do you forget your kid on back-to-back vacation? Like, how is, that, how, how is that even possible? And to some degree, we all ask questions. Why did this happen? Why did this not happen? And maybe what's happened is our questions began as questions, and our questions can turn into doubt. And doubts are actually one of Satan's biggest weapons against us. In fact, in the, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, what happened was when Satan came to destroy Adam and Eve, he didn't come at them like a bully, like ready to go. He came at them with, with a question, with some doubts. Is God really good? Can God really be trusted? Doubt. Is is God really looking out for my best interest? Doubt. And maybe you in your life, maybe you've asked some of these same questions. Maybe you've tried to trust God and God didn't come through how you thought he would or how you thought he should. Doubt. Maybe you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, it just didn't happen. Doubt. The very first Christmas was filled with doubts and questions. There was a nation that had been just ravaged by pain and ravaged by injustice. People were just looking for hope and peace. Is it anywhere to be found? (laughs) And to make it even crazier, Mary, a teenage girl, a virgin was told that she was going to have a child. And guess what she did? She doubted. In fact, this is what it says in Luke chapter number one. It says, how can this be? Since I have not had sexual relations with a man. Can we just say, that's a pretty fair question. How can this be? And in answer to Mary's doubts and Mary's questions, comes one of the most comforting lines you'll ever see in scripture. A line that can get you past doubts. And this is the line. It's a couple verses later. It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. In fact, can we say that verse together? Ready? For nothing will be impossible with God. Now what was going to happen here is God was going to take Mary's doubts that she had about herself about the world, and about God. And he was going to use this baby that was going to be born to take her doubts about herself, about the world, and about God, to take those doubts and turn her into a person that is filled with hope and filled with 
truth. Now, what's hope? Hope is a confident expectation. That's what Christian hope is. Now, a lot of times when we use the word hope, we, we, uh, we, we mean it by wishful thinking, right? Like, I hope I'm going to get this present for Christmas tomorrow. Or I hope that family member is not going to act cray-cray at this family Christmas gathering. You know what I'm talking about. Girlfriends around the world are hoping that this is the year they're going to get an engagement ring. Right? We're, we hope for things. But Christian hope is a confident exclam- Christian hope is a confident expectation. Hope, we could say it like this. Hope is an exclamation point in a world that's filled with questions and doubts. And what God wanted to do at Christmas is God wanted to take Mary's and the world's questions and doubts about the world, about life, and give them a confident expectation, give them hope, and give them peace. But he was going to have a process to make this happen. Now, you may have walked in the room, and maybe you have some questions. Maybe you have some doubts about yourself, about the world, about God. And maybe you haven't even verbalized those. But if you can understand this process of what God uses, you can be somebody that walks out of here with a confident expectation if you can understand the process. Now, we got to be in Luke chapter 2 because I want us to understand what happened in this story before we get to this process. In Luke chapter 2, this is what the scripture says. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This is a worldwide mass taxation. The first Christmas began with the government trying to get people's money. Can we just say some things haven't changed, right? (laughs) And this decree, verse 2, this first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, everyone to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And when she gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a Because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus was born. Jesus was born. And the doubts and the questions were about to give way to a confident expectation because of the names, because of who Jesus was. I want to pray for us tonight. And I want to pray for you if you've come in the room with some doubts and with some questions and maybe with some discouragement. Maybe the holidays have not been so easy on you. I want to pray for you. Because if we can understand this process, we can leave the room with a confident expectation and hope. 
Let me pray for you right now. Father in heaven, I just pray that you would use your word to change people's lives. I pray that you would use your word to give us a confident expectation because that's what Christian hope is. It's not just wishful thinking, but it's a confident expectation. And God, would your spirit open eyes, would your spirit open hearts. And Lord, we are trusting in your word to do what your word does. Please work in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Years earlier, in fact, hundreds of years earlier, prophet Isaiah prophesied about this baby that was going to be born. In fact, this is what he said. He says, a child's going to be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is who he's going to be. He's going to be a Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. Like, this is who he's going to be. Now, you look at the, the word of their wonderful counselor. A lot of times we think of counselor, we think of somebody we go to for advice. Like, hey, would you tell me what to do in this situation? Or would you point me in the right direction? But this word wonderful counselor isn't just somebody that, that gives you good advice. It's somebody that, that has experience going through what you're going through. And someone, because they have the experience, they have the authority to speak into your situation. I, I shared this on Sunday, but this is really so extraordinary that you just have to get it. And this really is what wonderful counselor means. Maybe you've never heard this before. But it means that Jesus gets you. It means that Jesus understands you. Experiencing pain, Jesus gets it. Experiencing betrayal, Judas betrayed him. Experiencing family dysfunction, all of the brothers of Jesus turned his back on him. Experiencing mental health challenges, the night before he died, he experienced that. And Jesus gets us. So he can uniquely walk with us and empathize with us and guide us because Jesus gets us and maybe in a way that nobody else does. Several years ago now, 10 years ago, I went to Israel. When I went to Israel, like my eyes were open for several reasons. And one of the reasons why my eyes were open and I was so shocked and surprised was because they had all these guys walking around that didn't look very friendly, and they were all walking around carrying AK-47s. You are not in California anymore, bro. So, so you got all these, like, police and military, and everywhere we go, they got these AK-47s, and I'm just like, no way. Like, if one thing goes wrong, it's game over, you know? So I'm thinking, I'm, like, kind of nervous, and, and I had this tour guide that he had been a tour guide for years, and he'd been to Israel dozens of times, and he knew all about this, and he could see the angst on some of our faces. Oh, you know, we're not used to seeing people walking around with the AK-47s all the time. But he had been there before, many times. He had crossed the borders. He had, he had gone to all these different sites. And this is what he told us. He says, guys, I know it's a little, little nerve-wracking at times to see guys with all these big guns. But I've been here before, and everything's going to be okay if you just follow me. 
So I've, I've been to that site many, many, many times. He says, just, just follow me and follow my directions. So we're going to go to some places, and I'm going to tell you, just keep walking straight and don't go down that alley. Do you know what you need to do? Just keep walking straight and don't go down that alley. He says, we're going to go to some places where um, you just, just, just follow me, and, and you don't have to make eye contact with a bunch of guys. Just keep, just keep going with me, and you'll be fine. And we said, okay, that's what we're going to do. Because he had been there before. Because he had experienced it before. Because he understood what it was like and he knew how to lead us through. Can I say, guys, Jesus has been there before with what you're experiencing. Jesus knows what you're going through. Because Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He's been there. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're experiencing. He isn't somebody that's just standing up in heaven like, do this, do that. I want to make your life miserable. No, no, no. He's a wonderful counselor that says, listen, I can empathize with you. I can guide you. I can lead you because I walked on that earth and I've experienced what you have experienced. And the process for going from a person with questions and doubts to a person with a confident expectation, with an exclamation point mentality is a person that understands that Jesus gets me. It says that he's a, he's a mighty God. Mighty God. Like, Isaiah, like, what does that mean? Well, when he was saying mighty God, he was, he was connecting back to something in Exodus when, when God told Moses that he was the I am. Everybody say, I am. Ready? I am. So what happened was God wanted Moses to do something. God wanted Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said, whoa, God, I can't do that. I got some baggage in my past. I, 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 I can't talk very well. I, I, I just, I can't do this, God. I, I can't do it. Now what God could have done is God could have said, all right, Moses, I'm going to give you a pep talk. Are you ready? This is what you got to do. You got to just, he could, he could have sent him a YouTube video. <laughs> Moses, hey, if you watch this YouTube video, I'll give you four tips for, he didn't do that. This is what God said. On the surface, it doesn't make any sense. God said, Moses, I am. That's not very helpful, God. What does that even mean? <laughs> I am. God said, Moses, it's not what you can do, but it's what I can do. I am what you're not. I am what you can't do in your own ability. Now, what happened is God didn't just leave it in Exodus. In fact, multiple times throughout the Old Testament, the children of Israel would be in a place where it was like, how are we going to overcome this? How, how are you going to provide? And what God would say is God would say, I am your whatever they needed in the moment. I am Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. Oh, you need healing in that situation? I am the healer. Oh, you're brokenhearted right now? I am the comforter. And what would happen is that God would come alongside them and tell them, I am what you need in this moment of what you're experiencing. That is who I am. Can you imagine what your life would look like if in every circumstance, in every unknown, in every hardship, 
You could say this. You could say, I know Jesus is the I am, and he can do a work right here, right now. He can provide. He can heal. He can comfort. He can lead. He can provide. He is the defender. That is who he is because he is a mighty God. And guys, he's for you. Like, you don't have to try out to try to get God's approval. You don't have to try out. God doesn't say, okay, once you've come to a church gathering three weeks in a row, then I'll give you a high five and I'll help you out. No. <laughs> like, God is for us. That's what it means that he is the mighty God. He would walk alongside the children of Israel and he would say, this is what you need. I'm for you. I got your back. I am right here. Now, sometimes what he would do is he would not provide them what they thought they needed. He would provide them what they actually needed. And what God wants to do is God wants to say, listen, listen, Jesus is the mighty God for you. He's the eternal father. Or maybe your father's not around or maybe your father's a little distant. I think at some level everybody's got a little bit of daddy issues, right? God sent Jesus to be the eternal father, the compassionate and present and patient and affirming father that maybe we didn't have. Maybe we're in this room right now. Maybe we're, maybe we're shackled with insecurity. Maybe we're shackled with things from our past. Maybe we have this brokenness. And this is, this is what God says. God says, listen, Jesus is your eternal father. He's the mighty God. He's a wonderful counselor, and he is the prince peace. Everybody in the room wants peace. We all want peace. And sometimes what happens is our lack of peace here in our lives stems from our lack of peace with God. And because we don't have peace here, we don't have peace out there, and we don't have peace in here. One person writes about having peace with God. They said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. The baby came to die on the cross for our sins. Because by dying on the cross for our sins, he paid the penalty of our sin. He was born to die. And by trusting in what Jesus has done, we can have acceptance with God. We can have peace with God. In Romans 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what this verse is saying, is that when we transfer our faith from everything else and put our faith in what Jesus has done for us, we trust in him to be our savior, that we can have peace with God, that we can have acceptance with God. Every one of us look for peace. Every one of us look for acceptance. And we all look for it somewhere. But friend, that is available to you because of Christmas. Years ago, Madonna was at the top of her game. Pop culture icon, she had done it all. 
And she wrote in Vanity Fair magazine about the struggle that she still experienced even though she had accomplished everything in her life. She said, all my life, all my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with fear. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre, and that's always pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Maybe you can relate to Madonna, and maybe this is how you feel. And friend, can I say that your journey, you, your feeling this way can end with Jesus? Because Christmas declares that you're loved, in Christ you're accepted, you're valued. Jesus came to this earth to give you that. He came to give us peace. He came to take us from people that are filled with these questions and filled with these doubts and give us this exclamation point of hope because he's a wonderful counselor, because he's the mighty God, because he's the eternal father, because he is the prince of peace. And maybe this morning, this evening, you walked in here like this, like Mary, but you can be a person that leaves here with this exclamation point, this confident expectation of hope. The first person in the Christmas story that doubted was Mary. Mary had these questions. Mary had these doubts. And after seeing everything unfold, the baby, the birth, all this, Mary gets to Luke chapter 2, verse 19. After she had doubted in Luke 1, and this is what she said. It says that she treasured all these things in her heart and meditated on them. In this moment of seeing everything unfold, of understanding who this baby was, of understanding what this baby could offer, of understanding the power that he had, she meditated on them. And she treasured them in her heart. Tonight you may have walked in the room. And it's Christmas Eve. So you're supposed to be okay. But you're not okay. It's Christmas Eve and we're supposed to be jolly. But we're not that jolly. It's Christmas Eve so everything is amazing. And it's not quite so amazing. Can I say you may not be okay and it's okay not to be okay but you don't have to stay that way and this is why because he is a wonderful counselor because he is the mighty god because he is the everlasting the eternal father and he is the prince of peace and friends if you will embrace this you can go from questions and doubts to a person with a confident expectation Confident expectation, people don't let their circumstances determine their joy. Confident expectation, people don't let what's happening all around them determine their peace and their joy. Why? Because they know who Jesus is. As I wrap this up, maybe you're in this room and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior. You've never trusted him to be your Savior. In the seat back in front of you, 
and on the QR code, there is a connection card. And if you would like more information about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, you can mark on this, decide to follow Jesus, and we would love to give you some more information about that. We want to help you learn to follow him. Maybe um, we still have some questions, and we don't want anybody to know. On your way out is a little booklet. We had several people that, uh, at the earlier service take this booklet. In fact, we had to restock it. There's a table out there that has these deciding to follow Jesus booklets. And you just want to maybe find out some more things about this. Why don't you grab one of these on the way out? You can even do it in a way that people can't see. You can just kind of like do this number right here, you know. Grab one of these and learn what does it mean to follow Jesus. What does it mean for Jesus to be your Savior? Because when he's your Savior, then we can have peace with God. And then we can go from people filled with doubt and people filled with questions to people that have this confident expectation because of who Jesus is.